in 2013, I coined the name Grampian, and I gave it to your host, Jim Tracy. Good morning, fellow Grampians. Here we are again, and we have a really cool, um, like, uh, I don't know, original and and pretty awesome show for you today. Um, I, I related it to our guest today like this. Even Rush Limbaugh, the venerable Rush Limbaugh, had Mr. Bo Snurdly. And Bo Snurdly was the producer of the Rush Limbaugh show forever and ever and ever. And he's still a famous icon out in the social media world, especially Twitter and things like that. But um, everybody needs someone to make them look good. And I have a bigger need than most. Um, and so people don't understand that there's somebody in the background who actually like moves all the pieces into play and makes all of us uh, who are on the podcast and even the radio look good. And uh, uh, I would like to welcome you to a guy with multiple names. Um, I would like to welcome you to meet a guy with multiple names. And they are, uh, they are uh, the podcaster. They are Oh, Henry, they are the Hankster, and most importantly, they're my friend, Ethan Borman. Welcome to the show, man. This is your show. <laughs> this is my show. Um, no, not really, but thank you so much, Jim. That's really cool to um, be with you here and, and chat, and I'm really excited to see where this conversation goes. How weird is it on the front side of the camera? <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, like that's that's actually where originally I wanted to be was on the front side of the camera and found that probably my talents probably lended themselves a lot more to the backside than on the front <laughs> side. <laughs> so, uh, but I mean, to, to let people don't, I mean, they, they, they like don't know you and you're a producer, director, uh, filmmaker. I mean, you've done so many cool things. I just want people to get to know you a little bit. Yeah, no, it's. I definitely diversify in the creative realm. Yeah. Uh, probably a little bit too much, right to my detriment. <laughs> but I definitely diversify in that in that field. All right. So let them get to know Ethan. I mean, you know, part of the the, the cool part of your story is like you look at me sometimes and you're like, what does that phrase mean? Or what does that word mean? Or what does that mean? Because uh, I mean, from a practical perspective, uh, English is your primary first language. But not by much. <laughs> not by much at all. No. <laughs> yeah. No. I. I. I'd always uh, when I went to college in the states, and I. I guess kind of precursor that. I. Because I, I grew up in Ecuador. Um. I was born down there, and basically lived down there until I was eighteen, and then my parents kind of shipped me off to the uh, the U.S. of A. and um to go to college. And I remember I'd have conversations, uh, cultural conversations with my friends and basically what ended with, I would just say, look, look, I, I actually literally grew up in a cave and, uh, <laughs> and I really don't know what you're talking about. Um, so yeah, that's definitely, um, a lot of people are like, well, why are you getting into the social media sphere when you seem to be less cultured? Um, I, I couldn't name 10 Britney Spears songs. I don't even know if I could name three, but, uh, but it is something that I, I think I have a passion about. And I think I, I bring a, a probably a little bit different perspective to, and I think, um, given my background of, uh, growing up in the rainforest in Ecuador, 
and so, living help with people uh, out, man. I mean, I hate yeah. to interrupt. I hate to interrupt people, but no, I, you don't play. I mean, half the people who listen to this podcast are going to go, where, where's Ecuador? And then why? So first the where, and then the why. So Ecuador is in South America. So that's South of North America. Um, and <laughs> you're really helping the GI geographically illiterate now, bro. <laughs> and it's not Mexico because Mexico is still yeah, technically even North. farther South of Mexico, further, further south, south of Central America. It's South America. South of the Panama Canal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and it's, it's called Ecuador because it is on the equator. And so it, it's generally very much more hot because we're actually closer to the sun than the rest of the, of the, the earth. And we, yeah. And it, but the crazy thing about Ecuador is it's so diverse in its terrain that they actually have snow on the equator year round. Um, they've got actually the highest point from the center of the earth there. Um, they've got the highest active volcano and, uh, very diverse cultures. Um, from very high technological, high civilization, big malls and Inner city. big city car, yeah. cars to the, the coastal range, to the jungle, to high forest, to mountain ranges with um, glaciers. Uh, so we, we basically, you got everything kind of packed into this little, <laughs> little, little country, probably. Yeah. It's probably the size of maybe Montana. Like that. So, so up and down as much as back and forth, and it's a and is it there yeah. areas on the coast? Yep, yep, yeah. Beautiful coastline, everything, like, everything, everything. Yeah. Desert, high desert, low desert, All right. um, tundra, everything. So why? I mean, why? Your dad woke up one day and said, "I think I'm going to move to a cave in Ecuador, and it'll be really awesome." And my kid will get up, and he won't know any Britney Spears songs. <laughs> <laughs> it was literally the the plan. Um, no. It, so it actually starts back even further than my dad. Um, so my my grandpa was an airplane pilot in Rock Mexico. On. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> was an airplane pilot in uh, Peru. Um, uh -huh. He was a missionary airplane pilot in Peru, and my grandma was a was a missionary um, developing um, literacy in Mexico. And they met, and they moved to Ecuador back in the fifties. Um, and they moved down there for Bible translation and linguistic work, working with a tribe um, as the Kofans. And I actually brought some props here today. This is um, one of the first copies of the book of Genesis wow. um, um, in, in Kofan. And I just went completely out of focus there. But yeah, um, we'll wait for my camera to get back in focus. This, this might work. Bring some light onto my face. There we go. Ah, hey, you're back. A few things. Here we go. Um, I love technical difficulties when I got you on the other end, man. This is like fun to watch. Like, it's not my fault. <laughs> no, just mine. So, yeah, so they, they did uh, the Bible translation. They did a New Testament, um, an abridgment of the Old Testament, and they also lexanized the language. Um, here's, a, here's actually a copy of um, some of the... Uh, legends of the people so my wow. grandpa recorded the the legends of the people and then so they didn't um, have a written language when he got there no they did not so a lot of it was for preservation of the language but also wow to um bring the the 
the Bible into the the language of the people so they could actually read it in their their own sure. language. Um, so before then, you do that, you got to develop their written language. Yeah. So my grandpa establishing yeah. credibility, he's writing the stories that they told him the legends of the people. Yeah. And then so so number one, he gets there, he's got to learn the language. Yeah. Then he's got to figure out how to make a new one because it's in writing and they've never written it down before. And yeah. then he's got to translate it. Yeah. And the the Bible is not probably the easiest book to translate, certainly not the shortest. No, because you're, you're also te- um, translating it um, from um, something that maybe not your native language as well, because from the Greek yeah. and from the Hebrew. And so there's that challenge as well of being a linguist and just being an, an airplane pilot and all of a sudden completely <laughs> shifting your uh, your expertise to um, all of a sudden wow. being a linguist. And my, wow. my grandpa, I actually was talking about a grampian, but yeah. I asked my There my you grandpa, go. <laughs> Um, I asked my grandpa. He's a pilot. Just he's a pilot, exactly. I asked my grandpa because he loved flying airplanes. That you walk into his office and there's model airplanes everywhere, uh-huh. hanging from the ceilings, and because he would just make these model airplanes out of just scraps of wood and stuff lying around it. Um, and I asked him, "Did you enjoy Bible translation?" And he looked at me and he said, "He said." It was one of the hardest things to get into, but he said, once you started, it was probably one of the most awarding things that I've ever done. Wow. And um, to, to, to see someone who sacrificed his dream of being an airplane pilot um, to do something like that, that for the betterment of a, a culture and for the betterment of the, the souls of a, of a tribe in the middle of the rainforest is crazy. Yeah. He tells the message story. I just wrote you is your ticket to heaven. All you have to do is believe. Yes. Isn't that cool? Yeah. Like you like not just like this whole culture. It's like, here is your ticket to heaven. It's free. All you got to do is believe. Yeah. Wow. No, it's crazy. So, um, kind of fast forwarding. Um, there you go. <laughs> my, now my, you're acting like a producer again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my, my, my parents moved. Um, down there in um, 90, uh, uh-huh. 1990, um, to continue the work that my grandparents started there, um, just working with the church and church planting and uh, raising up leaders in the church. Yeah. And they're working with local people. So they've learned the language when they were down there. Yeah. And my, and my they're dad, fluent, I guess. A little bit of word. knowledge of the language. Yeah. Yeah. But he had to learn, learn it again because he had been in the States for a while. <laughs> and so then 91, I show up. Um, so shortly after, um, they moved down to the jungle. And so Ethan Henry Borman, welcome to the world. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Born in, where'd born your, in, where, where did your, where did your middle name come from? My middle name came from my other grandpa. Uh, okay. Who on your mom's side, on my mom's side. Okay. Uh, my mom is just a local Oregonian. Um, dragged along by my, my father down, picked up, stuffed in a cave. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and hey, honey, let's go on a honeymoon. We're going to a cave in Ecuador. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Wow. And, yeah, and my my other grandpa was a, a policeman and a private investigator in oh, Oregon. Wow. And, uh, and his name was his name was Harry 
um, which is um, a different version of Henry. And so I was named after oh, right on. My, my grandpa on that side. Um, so where did the name Ethan come from? Is there a story behind that? They yeah. just like it. We actually just talked about this the other day. Well, my, my mom um, is up here right now because uh, my, my nephew was just born a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And so um, she was talking, we're talking about names and my name came from a Louis L'Amour book that nice. my parents were reading and there was a character in it named Ethan and they thought he was a very cool character. And so they named me after that Ethan. It was later. Louis L'Amour, the most prolific Western author of all time. Of all and time. all things cool. Yeah. 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 So that's wow. where my sake is. Probably. that that's like that's like your own little legacy dude yeah yeah <laughs> and I, crazy thing is i've never read a louis the book so i, I feel like <sighs> you that. have missed uh yeah you've missed a lot i know he's awesome yeah he's one of my dad's favorite authors so i'll, I'll have to i'll have to dig into one he creates such stunning visual imagery and everybody would say that like hey you know he's like a, this simplistic author and yeah, he's a simplistic author who's Listen. done hundreds of best-selling books. Just say it. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah. <laughs> Just say it. Just say yeah. And he's cool. And he's getting people named after him. Yeah. <laughs> like you. <laughs> yeah. Like me. Yeah. So anyway, yeah. fast forward again. Now you were born. You're in Ecuador. You're growing up. What's growing up in Ecuador like? So my, my parents were... It, initially we were in the, the rainforest, um, in the middle of the jungle. And so, uh, my house, we had, we had a generator that we would have about three hours of electricity every day, um, <laughs> in the evening. And so my dad, my mom could do like a, a load of laundry cause we had a, a uh -huh. low powered washer down there. We, yeah. we used to do all of our laundry in the, in the river or in the, in the stream, right down the bank from us. Uh -huh. Um, and we would pump water up from the, the stream down below for washing dishes. And we'd boil all our own water. Um, my dad would go out hunting for food. Sometimes we would grow our own food. We had chickens. You know, it was very much like homesteading. My uncle and my dad built our house um, out of um, wood that they had lumbered from the, the rainforest. <laughs> and uh, so this is this is sort of the, the context I grew up in. All my, all my friends were, were just native speaking Kofans, um, which is the tribe that my parents were working with. And <laughs> so I just grew up running around the jungle, um, climbing trees, knocking fruit down, uh, making, you know, swords out of sticks and battling yeah. it out with my friends. And hey, that these Bormans, they're a tough lot, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ecuadorian pioneers. Ecuadorian pioneers. And then right. uh, things kind of changed. And the terrorist activity along the border with the terrorist group FARC um, kind of escalated. Um, there were some raids that they'd done, and they'd found a list. And um, my uncle's name was on that list with a couple other names. And so um, my dad kind of decided um, that some people had gotten kidnapped from the oil companies. And one missionary had gotten kidnapped. And so my dad decided it was time to move us out of the village. Uh, there was a couple other things as well. We were all kind of getting nearer to high school age. And so looking at trying to figure out now you're not hunting, you're being hunted. Yeah. Now we're being hunted. So yeah, exactly. It makes a dad make really grampian type decisions. Way to go, dad. Yeah. 
So he moved his family up to the, the city, and but continued to go back um, down to the jungle by himself. Um, and I would I would tag along with him quite often because my knowledge of Kofan was very advanced at this point, and so I there was a lot of things I could definitely help out with with my dad's yeah. And yeah, and so went through high school. Um, we lived right actually like it was probably about five blocks from the Equator Monument um, up in Whoa. the mountains. And um, yeah, awesome. I finally graduated and then moved to the states. Then- Boom! Send him to the states. Let yep. him let him come to this era of normalcy, which ain't normal anymore, bro. Yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> Abnormal for me. Uh, yeah. So you get to college, and you're like, "Hey, I want to study." Blah. What was it? Yeah. So that was a that was a difficult thing. So I I I had some friends, and I got my dad's old camcorder, and we started making these little short films. <laughs> and my dad also got into the radio space and he opened a a studio um right there in uh, San Antonio de Pichincha which is um the town that we were living in and uh was tr- doing programs in the Kofan language to broadcast them on shortwave into the jungle for the Kofan people to have something in their own wow. language and so I really got interested in the media uh, and in creating little short films and I, I did a couple little radio programs for my family and I just really enjoyed it. And so I was like, mm-hmm. I really want to get into this space. But I, I also knew that the Hollywood space especially was a very dubious sort of uh, space to get into spiritually. And so I looked at a lot of different colleges. A lot of them were just very expensive. But then Moody Bible Institute came on to my um, that inter- inter- interview and they they provided a, a degree in Bible alongside one in communications. And at that point, they had a degree in electronic communications, which included film. Wow. And also some radio training and audio training in, in the background as well as acting. And so that was that was what I came to the States to to learn and to so understand. So you pursued this like this is not this is like an, an entirely um bible-based creative endeavor you're not gonna just like do radio you're i mean we're gonna talk about radio in a minute but um, yeah you're gonna do radio film theater uh yeah. they're they're like trying to wrap the whole media package into what? an entire education yeah yeah and it was interesting because a lot of the training was more philosophical than practical and a lot of the practical mm. was something that i had to i had to endeavor to learn myself with my fellow students and and which i think is important because the philosophical side of of film of understanding how a story works and how to convey message message without being too preachy and right. how to convey um ideas in a way that helps people understand them i think is probably one of the more important aspects of 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 that sort of medium yeah and then so geographically you're also going from the equator mm-hmm. to chicago to chicago yeah so a very did they, did they send you the brochure that said like if you go to chicago it's like cold in the winter and it's known as the windy city both and yeah. there's a lake there and the water the the, the cold air coming off the lake will like <laughs> chill you bro 
<laughs> I wish they had advertised that more. Um, yeah, but not. They wouldn't get anybody not. there. No. <laughs> but really, I it, yeah, it was very depressing and, and hard at first. I mean, I was very used to, I was also used to warm culture as well. And it's what does that mean? Warm culture. <laughs> a warm culture. Warm climate, I understand. What's a warm culture? So a warm culture, um, if y'all been to the South, you understand this a little bit more. Um, but in, in the South, it's, it's that idea of when you were walking through the mall, someone might just stop and talk to you for no apparent okay. reason. Yeah. Um, with a lot of us Northerners, which I, and I've gotten more culturally inept to be a warm <laughs> culture person um, because of living in the North. Um, but this idea of, of someone just talking, stopping and talking to you and asking how your day was, and you might not know them from Adam, um, wow. is, is what would be more considered a warm culture, a culture, <laughs> which is more based upon community and, and hanging out yeah, with other people. And, for sure. And, um, and that's something that in the North, North America, I think is a lot less. Um, okay. Um, Got it. Due to, yeah, it's just a very different culture. Our people in the South are going to love you now. They're like, hey, y'all, I like Ethan Borman, man. He's like the real deal. <laughs> <laughs> but you, Borman. with Ecuador, you gave Deep South a new meaning. So, <laughs> Oh, yeah, Deep, deep South uh, America. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, so it, it was definitely a very different culture move. Uh, the atmosphere, like really big city uh noisy all the time and then it's yeah very cold during the winter mm -hmm. uh, i'd done some glacier climbing um in ecuador uh -huh. um, but uh it was nothing compared to a a chicago winter yeah <laughs> um, where, you know six feet of snow on the streets and yeah. you've got to make and it, it doesn't class. leave until may <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it was not leaving until may yeah so, and then, yeah, did you like get Americanized? Did you become a Bears fan or a Cubs fan or anything like that? I mean, I mean, the soccer's the sport in Ecuador or football. Yeah. And, and so they're like not, I mean, they ain't no baseball, they ain't no football down there, is there? Oddly enough, Moody doesn't have a American football team. Uh -huh. They, they have a soccer team. Okay. And so... Uh, there was actually a lot of people that wanted to play soccer there. And I thought about joining the soccer team and um, then I wanted to get more into theater. And so yeah. I didn't really have time for it. Um, but I did do a lot of pickup games of soccer. Um, okay. I I went to a couple Red Sox games. Um, I never got to a Bears Why game. Why the Red Sox? I don't, I don't just, know. They, they were in town and wanted to see we the Red Sox, They were in man. town and we just oh, wow. happened to go to their baseball game. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, that's so cool. that, that was really cool. I think we went to Wrigley Field and watched them. It was so. So now yeah. you got the Cubs and the. I mean, that's that's like a really iconic baseball game. I mean, at an iconic yeah. stadium. So salute. Yeah, that's off to you, bro. Um, so now you've come through and you've gone through this theatrical training, and you mm -hmm. decide, hmm, I think I'd like to climb cell towers. <laughs> that was so. That's. That's what is your trick. problem? What is my problem? <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? <laughs> yeah. So, so talking of stories, um, I, I got out of college and I was, I wanted to get into the, the media space pretty much uh -huh. right away. 
Yeah. Uh, that's kind of what college does to you, right? You you learn something and you're like, I'm the expert. I need to do that. <laughs> and then you realize that all these jobs that are media oriented all require like three years of um, experience or, or yeah. something. Yeah. And so got out of college and just could not find a job. I actually, I interviewed with the Chicago Tribune. I interviewed with a couple different um, jobs to try to find something. And I, I, I even tried Chick-fil-A and nobody, nobody was hiring. It was yeah. one of those really strange times. And so uh, I ended up uh, living in this basement apartment with like five other guys. And <laughs> that is uh, well bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So back my, to the cave. <laughs> back to the cave, literally. And uh, it was wet and damp and, it was yeah. not it was not pleasant but and and slowly um my bank account got lower and lower and lower and yeah. so i it happens <laughs> yeah it happens and so i ended up taking this gig on the street and this is this is this sort of plays into like the whole story of it but i took this gig on the street um selling blackhawks paraphernalia talking about sports teams okay. um and the blackhawks are the the chicago the, hockey team nhl yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're um, from America. We actually know that already. We actually know that. <laughs> we were like explaining this to the people back home. They're like, what's yeah. Blackhawk? Is it like what a bird? What is a Blackhawk? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it is a bird. <laughs> it is. But yeah. Uh, and, and I was selling um, pennants, which once again, like people know what pennants are. Nice. Those triangle things. Um, yeah. And I didn't know what they were until I sold them on the street. Yeah. And so I went around. expert. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, and... I, uh, they had just won the, I think the, the whole hockey series or whatever, Stanley um, cup, the Stanley cup. And I was out during their parade celebrating it, selling these pennants. And, uh, I was so poor. I was so desperate. And this guy told us like, we'll give you this $90 bonus if you sell the most. And so I went out there and just hit it hard. And I was just selling these pennants left and right and just making money like crazy. And my pockets were just stuffed full of $5, $10 bills. And, <laughs> um, and then this guy came up to me and he looked at me and he goes, no, was, this guy came up to his, with his wife and her wife came up to me and was like, Hey, um, we've been searching for a pair of shoes all day for my husband. Um, and all these different shops and he see, we see your shoes and we like, I like your shoes um, a lot. And so would you mind selling us your shoes? Well, that's a warm <laughs> culture. <laughs> you know, they were they were drunk, so like you Whoa. find in the north, drunker people get uh, the more warm yeah. they get. Um, and 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 I was like, you know, this is my only pair of shoes. I already had these pair of shoes for like six months, so and they were my my running shoes, and they were nice. They were Adidas. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I don't, I don't think you can do it. He's like, she was like, I'll give you a hundred dollars for them. I bought them for I think I bought them for fifty bucks. And ching. <laughs> uh, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to walk home barefoot. So, you know, maybe not. So I kept on selling pennants. And she came up to me again. And her husband wasn't with her this time. But she goes, she goes, I really, really want your shoes. Like my husband really likes them. And this is so weird. <laughs> it's so weird. And so I was like, and she was like, okay, how about $110? And I was like, okay, I'll do it. So I took my shoes off and I sold them to this lady. She gave me $110, stuck them in my pocket. 
and I kept on selling pennants. Now with my 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 socks flapping in the in the breeze yeah. out on the streets of Chicago, and wow. I, I needless to say I did not sell any more pennants after that because now I look like a homeless guy. Um, <laughs> but I took I took all all the a money back. Pennant salesman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I but the great thing was is that I actually provided um, enough bread for my rent that month. And, um, yeah, and, but you didn't have shoes to go find a job. <laughs> but I had enough to go and buy a, a pair of very cheap, cheap shoes from, nice. the, from the old Navy, <laughs> um, to get home. Yeah. Um, but then shortly after that, I, I, I ended up homeless on the streets of Chicago for a couple of days. Wow. Cause I, I didn't have any money and, um, my parents sent me enough money to get a, air, uh, a bus ticket to to get back up to um, Michigan where my uncle was living and I went up there and continued to be unemployed until I found a job working for a dairy farmer and so it was at this point that I realized that that I I needed to not be picky with where I worked but to work at work jobs um, that were able to provide me money and to do them in a way that um, was honest and and displayed a, a hard work ethic that that displayed Christ. Yeah, and man, we don't work we don't work for a boss. We work for the boss. Yeah, work is under the, the Lord. Boss. There you go. Yeah. yeah, we work for the right. boss. Exactly, it and this governs our behavior. Low. Yeah, right yeah. On. <laughs> and this was a very low period of my life where I thought that I should be working something else, and I worked this job spreading manure on on fields all by myself. Um, 14 to 16 hours a day and it was yeah. it was probably the, the crappiest job literally i ever work and well, manure but, can be that way and coming from a guy who spread manure i'm and and shoveled yeah. stalls i can tell you it's not a great gig <laughs> no it's not very reflective though yes very reflective but when i left there the owner <laughs> the the owners of the dairy farm came up to me and they said they actually paid me way more than I, I deserved. And they, they said, if you ever go into missions work, we'll be the first call us first because we'll be the first to support you. And that. wow, that's really and cool. I did not think that I left that sort of impression yeah. on them. And I ended up going onto the mission field after that for a short stint down to Ecuador um, <laughs> and taught in an international school down there. Um, before meeting my wife, which I ended up in Ritzville. Um, and I taught in Ritzville for a while. Ended up Eastern in the, Washington. Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington States, U.S. of A. Not, US not of a. Ritzville, Columbia. Yeah, not, not Ritzville, Ritzville Columbia. Ecuador. <laughs> yeah. Um, in the United States in Washington. And yeah. which is where one of the offices for uh, for a telecommunications company, yeah. which um, Jim started called Legacy. Yeah. And uh, so I went to the Congo and I came back and was looking for a job, <laughs> worked another job, and finally got offered a job, um, maybe doing media part-time, but also just being a small cell assembler and shop guy at mm -hmm. the Ritzville shop. Yeah. And that's how I ended up um, in telecommunications. So that adds to your technical skills uh, electronically in some way, yeah. shape, or form. But it also gave you an opportunity to kind of embrace the social media side and mm -hmm. you made some epically cool videos. Yeah. 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 
So what people don't know, and they can actually go on to um, some of the YouTube sites, and Ethan will put a link on. I'm hoping, um, but uh, if you even the Grampian site, I think there's the the video that that we worked on together very hard, which was the rollout video for the new branding of of uh, Ontivity. Yeah, and also the uh, I mean, he did one recently that won an award. Yeah, uh, flying uh, won, steel multiple yeah. awards called flying steel and you're going to put a link on the, for that video or like down somewhere on our when when people can drill down on yeah. youtube or spotify or whatever you make sure they can find your video because they are really cool yeah yeah so yeah it was amazing opportunity to increase my skills working under uh scott mcgugan and then um, mac daddy g mac daddy g yeah um and um, and then also working with uh, Chris um, Balasiotes. Um, Balasiotes, the Christopher. The Christopher. So uh, let's give these guys uh, who are listening to the podcast, I mean, if they're still listening now, they really like this stuff. And so that <laughs> Mac Daddy G was the guy who came with me, and, and uh, we had started something called Legacy Radio. And mm-hmm. it was just basically we wanted to communicate. And, and all of a sudden I knew – you know, everybody's name and wife's name and family name. And also we had all these employees and I didn't like, I didn't get to communicate with them. So we started legacy radio and then Scott came and made it cool. And we did, we did, um, you know, a few hundred episodes of legacy radio, just talking to people, just being warm and cultural. (laughs) And then, and, and then that turned into on radio. But by that time, we're beyond the rudimentary audio. We've moved into video, and then we moved into podcasts, and and we did. Uh, you and I worked closely, more closely on on radio. Yeah. And how many? Uh, eighty episodes or something like that. I think we got really close to eighty episodes. Yeah, and um, and then with Legacy Radio, what you guys were probably over a hundred. Um, oh yeah, we is five years. Uh, no, five years. Oh, way over a hundred. Yeah, oh, way over a hundred. Yeah. So I think combined, if you look at like the audio video medium, we've done three more than three hundred, probably. Uh, and and the the best quality of those has turned out with the work that uh, that you did. Scott made me a better um, asker of questions and made me smile more he's like yeah when you're when you're on camera so here's what you do bro it's like smile because people think you're not happy if you don't smile yeah yeah and then chris is like this creative genius and he was the guy who got tucked in after and uh and he's now running an independent gig in gig harbor washington making films for a living and and doing Mm -hmm. that stuff and and you are doing podcasts and you've got this really, and here's what I really want to talk about. You got mm-hmm. this really cool side hustle and you do podcasts for other people. You make it easy for people mm-hmm. to, um, to get their message out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that, that started back in, I guess, whew, was it 2000? I want to say 2018 maybe, um, with, uh, a little podcast called X Garage, and a couple of guys came to me <laughs> that were friends, and they asked me if um, I would um, help them do a podcast. And I really had never done a podcast up to this point, 
And so, um, I say, hey, sure. I'll shovel manure. Sure, I'll help you with the podcast. Yeah, you I'll, name I'll, it, I'll I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and, and yeah, it really turned into something really cool. We we we've done it for quite a few years. Um, it's been kind of on hold for a little while here, just because of of life stuff coming up with the, the two guys who are um, heading it up, and and the guy who's having babies in the meantime, which we're going to talk yeah. about a little bit too. But yeah, which was, which is me. Yeah, <laughs> you're busy. Yeah, I was busy as well. <laughs> And, and then, uh, I, yeah, then I was able to use the skills that I gained from that to help out with on radio and now, um, helping you with your podcast. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's been really cool to just, yeah. to, to sort of start creating in that way. So folks, he's not saying it, but I'm going to say it for him. If you've got a podcast that you want to do the hangster now, I, he, he prefers Henry or O Henry. I yeah. prefer the hangster, so I'm going to dub him permanently on the Grampian Network, the Grampian Nation. You are hereby dubbed the hangster. The hangster. The hangster. Yeah, because <laughs> because Hank is another name for Henry, and Hankster is just cooler than Hank. So you're the yeah. hangster. <laughs> it's permanent now. It's permanent now. The hangster. Yeah, and so we're going to turn you into the Mister Hangster, the Mister Boast Nerdly. Of the, the Grampian Nation. Towards the least nature. Wow. So what what uh, creative itch gets scratched the best? Is it making films? I mean, you've got like Ethan Borman filmed. You've like done some They're really, uh, really amazing work. You've done some production studios a long time uh, alongside some of these like uh, real studios and you've uh, help. I mean, you're you're earning your wings, and one of the things that makes you a Grampian or champion—you're not a Grampian yet. So, uh, but one of the things that makes you a champion is I see a guy all the time that's willing to grind it out, and sure. and there's not quit there, and then he chooses to do the right thing to help people. So, thank you for that, number one. Uh -huh. And we'll close the show with that. But I want people to know that 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 uh, here's a guy who's paying the price. What is that? What does that feel like? What does it look like? I mean, are you enjoying it? Yeah. No, sometimes I, I, I love the creative process so much. And I, like I said, I do all sorts of things. Like I, I do writing, I do, uh, I do drawing, I, I do films, I do audio engineering, obviously, because I do podcasts. Uh, I, I've even, I've sort of dabbled in the, the game design, um, sphere, uh, <laughs> Uh, and don't go there. Video games are bad, man. They just wreck yeah. kids' minds. Oh, board so. games, board games. <laughs> okay. <laughs> board, games. board games are good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, chess has been around forever, right? So yeah. Um, and cribbage. I mean, yeah. Got to play cribbage. Yeah. yeah. So I really love the process, and and yeah, a lot of times you just have to. Sometimes you're just taking like the back seat and yeah, and learning things. And uh, like I worked with a local studio here in Spokane. Uh, just last month or it was the beginning of this month, I guess. And was, they actually hired me as a, as a, not hired me, but they allowed me to be the director on for this oh, nice. film that they were, they're making. And that's an editing right now and, uh, and everything. Uh, Very then, cool. Yeah. But just, yeah, just the idea of being able to help people spread their wings and uh, learn the creative process and fall in love with being creative uh, is something that is more of a passion than anything else 
and I just really enjoy just the community and uh, the the relationships you can build through through that process. That is awesome, man. You know, and and uh, it's got to be kind of endearing because you do all the work, and and then you you. I mean, for lack of a better word, you tweak it. You tweak the audio. You tweak the sure. video. You you take this little part where Jim <coughs> coughed and had a yeah. bad, and you, it's like and like you eliminate that, and then there's not this irritating hacking thing for the. And then you get to coach people. I mean, you're like, so Jim, one of the things that you need to stop doing on the podcast is like bringing a big old cup of coffee up into your face and and uh, and. And and your wife helps you. She's like, hey, let's switch the screen so that Jim is, you know, they, they got the side shot going where I'm like, cameras, I'm high camera, yeah. cameras on the side. And but your wife tells you, hey, man, have like Jim look at you and that. And, and then the whole like the whole tree behind me is a fake tree. But you help choreograph this in the studio and said here's what works and here's what doesn't and then all that culminates it's like yeah. you come out with this thing like the film we did for Untimity, like mm -hmm. flying steel and mm -hmm. it's really a beautiful story this is that's got to be gratifying yeah yeah no and i i think it's is what you're saying it, it really comes down to being able to listen um and not to and it's it's so hard especially as a creative person, because sometimes you, you get this instinct and you're like, this has to be the right thing. <laughs> but, um, but sometimes that's just the pizza you ate last night. And so yeah. <laughs> really, really, really happy. backwash, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <sighs> really having the ability to listen and, and not, not thinking of yourself as I'm the biggest head in the room and yeah. I know what's going on and, and, and be able to say, look, your creative ideas are just as valuable as my creative ideas. And if we can merge those creative ideas, we will probably end up with a better product at the end than if, if someone becomes so bullheaded that they're not willing to, to maybe listen to something that may be the difference between a, an award-winning film and something that is in someone's backlog and on their, on their yeah. YouTube. So when you say award-winning films, it, that just brings up a question in my mind. Mm -hmm. How, there's all these like film festivals. You're actually entering um, your work, the 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 all the effort, all the labor, all the love that goes into one of these films. And then you like drop it in front of a judge. How does yeah. that work? So I, I found this. Probably some of this horrible for me to find, but uh, because it's like gambling, but uh, there's, there's this uh, site on, uh, I think it's in conjunction. They have it kind of set up through Facebook, but it's called Film Freeway. And uh -huh. um, all these film festivals kind of have this connection through this thing called Film Freeway. And you can okay. go on and some of them are free to enter. Some of them are not free to enter but you either pay the little cost to enter your film into a festival mm -hmm. and the, the film goes into that festival and yeah, it drops you for a judge. And this is, I, I'm actually glad that it's sort of set up that way because if I had to 
take my film on a tape or a, a disc, a DVD, and take it to someone and, or a flash drive and take it to someone and then sit down with them and actually watch my film with the judge, I, I would die. Because yeah. as a creative person, it's it's basically, it would be like taking your child and being like, um, hey, I, I think my child's really good looking. Oh, and oh this defective little child? Yeah, <laughs> this little defective little child. And... Oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> And, and so it's, it is a very difficult um, thing to do as an artist, but I think mm -hmm. it's necessary um, because it's a, it's a refining thing for an artist to have your work critiqued by an outside source yeah. and um, for you to understand like, no, I'm not, maybe I'm not the best. And yeah, I won an award with Flying Steel and I won an award for another short film I did called uh, Limitations, mm -hmm. or at least got selected for a film festival with Limitations. And... Um, and I'm still waiting to hear back from a couple more festivals um, for Flying Steel. But all that is to say is um, I'll win some and I'll probably lose some. Yeah. But I, either way, it's 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 a good thing for any artist to be vulnerable to put their work out there. Yeah, music. I like that refinement thing because it really is truth. There's so much that you learn across life that can be employed that that, that uh, you know, when you're young, you're creative and there's all this like juice coming out. But when you get older, you have all this crystalline knowledge. And sure. that's what the Grampian does. It tries to say, listen, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Not the most creative guy anymore, even close. But people can benefit from the wisdom of time and, um, and experience. So, sure. And sure. one of the things that I love is that the people that we get to host on the Grampian come on board and they do the right thing at the right time for the right reason, which is a legacyism. We're going to get into that someday. Mm -hmm. But you have chosen, you know, to do the right thing at the right time for your family, for your faith, um, for your company. And, uh, and folks, if you are looking to host a podcast, mm -hmm. Ethan will make it easier for you and you can get a hold of him through the podcast. You can yeah. email him at podcast at, mm -hmm. TheJimTracy.com. Yeah. Yep. Is that it? Yep, I got that, that email cool. address right. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> right. oh no, is it the Jim yeah. Tracy? <laughs> yeah. 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 And he does it for money. He's not going to come and shovel your manure anymore. He's gonna. Nope. He's gonna. He's he's gonna probably gonna. But uh, what I can tell you is that he has made it very easy for me to do a podcast while I'm doing other stuff. And and uh, I appreciate you, man. And I want to thank you, Hankster, for being a guest. Any words for of wisdom? parting for our uh, for our folks who listen to the podcast that's a hard question jim why <laughs> <laughs> ask there... everybody that question man yeah you do you do i you, you know what i i think it, for people who are endeavoring to to be creative it's very easy to get caught up into creative spaces and um to get so busy that you can't focus on doing a good job on one one or two things. So obviously there's, there's the bread makers, there's the creative things that you have to do that make money. Uh -huh. But if there is a passion project, make time for it, give room for it to breathe so that you have time to spend with your family and as well as work on the creative projects and making that balance is, is paramount. It's something I'm learning right now. And so I think yeah. um, as I'm going through that, 
um, don't get so caught up in the creative thing, um, creative, I don't know, creative sphere that you that you lose sight of what is the real realness of life, which is your yeah. church life, your family life, and um, your work life, and um, but in all of it, enjoy enjoy what you do because our our highest calling is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And we often forget the fact that we're supposed to enjoy him as well. Wow. Hangster words of wisdom. Thank you. That's one of the things that makes you a champion. You put others in front of yourself. So thanks for stopping by. Thanks for producing this thing. And thanks for making our show better. And until next week, thanks for stopping by the Grampian. This is Jim and I am out. When you get an opportunity, subscribe or follow wherever you get your podcast.